If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. This is Hemant. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash Friendly Atheist Podcast to support the show. Five bucks a month. Get your bonus episodes and ad-free episodes. And guess what? What? Pat Robertson is still dead. Hey! There you go. Still haven't heard a thing about him since he died, but there you go. Wow. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? I'm just really thinking about... I begin all my conversations this way now, by the way. Honestly, I'm here for it. I just, like, I hope that my, like, presence lasts more than, like, 45 minutes after I die. (laughs) (laughs) Like, genuinely, imagine if, like, one of us dies and people just forget we existed. (laughs) It'll happen one day. True, it does feel inevitable. (laughs) Um, Do you want to start with the weirdest, dumbest story ever? Sure you do. Okay. Okay. (laughs) It involves Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Oh, yeah. Governor of Arkansas because Arkansas. Uh, So last last week. Name recognition will really get you there, huh? mm -hmm, uh, Just over a week ago, the governor of Arkansas posted a picture on all of her social media accounts where she was bragging about her three kids because they had drawn this chalk drawing in front of the governor's mansion. And, like, fine. Which is whatever. adorable, Which, if I liked Sarah Huckabee Sanders. A chalk <laughs> drawing in front of the governor's mansion? Adorable. Could be adorable. Except? Nothing wrong with... I'm not... Forget the kids. I don't care about the kids. They're fine. I'm not making fun of them. This particular drawing was a stained glass... Christian cross. It's like a, imagine a Christian cross with stained glass triangles all over it. Sure. All very meticulously drawn and colored. You can look at it. It is up here. She said, this is the masterpiece that her kids, that her kids drew, which, okay. No fucking way did those kids draw that. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that came through on the mic, but yes, did those kids draw that? Like, there's so many questions Listen, that is better work than every one of the uh, stage floors I helped paint all throughout (laughs) high school. And we had, like, professionals helping. There's no way those tiny children made that precise and beautiful drawing. Okay, so we'll put aside the question of did her kids actually draw that? They did not. Okay, why would they draw that, of all things you could draw? Uh, is there any artistic merit to that masterpiece that she called? Yeah. 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 And is it a symbol of pride? Because it has a lot of colors in the stained glass area. Uh, Yeah, I see what you're doing there. And does it violate the Ten Commandments? Because it is a form of idolatry. Um, We'll set aside... I feel about what we're doing right now. We'll set aside all of that. Okay. Because the thing that I saw in that picture is that... Okay, I see what you're doing, Sarah. (laughs) You're basically putting a giant Christian symbol in front of the governor's mansion 
then attributing it to your kids as if that a professional human being who was paid a lot Mm. of money to go to art school and learn how to do beautiful (laughs) chalk art did like part of me thinks yeah some professional drew the outline and then her kids colored it in you have children i've been around children yeah they don't draw that um, you know, wait, wait, wait. I don't. I, I want to be very clear about how crisp and beautiful this chalk drawing mm-hmm. is. And listen, I work with kids, and they're fucking idiots. Like they do <laughs> not have the the wherewithal to have a smudge-free chalk art. It really was smudge-free, especially on the ground. And they're tiny human people. Yes. How did they? It was big. What? Yes. How big was it? Like it's friggin' six huge. by ten. I don't know. Ish, maybe it's even bigger. Big. Like those kids can't get. This is so, listen, it doesn't pass the, the smell message test. message is if this is a Christian governor's mansion right here. You got to be Christian to walk through those yeah, doors. Well, Only Christians are welcome. She knows that's the message. That's why she shared it. This isn't some random drawing that they learned in Sunday school and then drew. She did it because it's a Christian symbol and this is her brand. She it's not like she has legislative accomplishments to brag about. What are so her you, kids drawing a cross well, in front of the house. Explain sure. to me why this is a story. Of Here's course, why this a very is a story. religious governor does not have much to talk about, and so they fall back to religious, you know, beating those religious drums. This is all and I want to talk about. Here's the thing. I guess I'm and look, if there's one thing Sarah Huckabee Sanders loves to do, it's exploiting child labor. Come on. That's pretty funny. Come on. So here's the thing. She knew. I think she set this up. I think this was bait. Because she knew if anyone complained about it, about a giant Christian cross in front of the governor's mansion, she think about the thing she could say. This is persecution. You're attacking my children. You just hate Christianity. Take your pick. Of course she was going to do that. And guess what? That is exactly how this played out. Because a week ago, Americans United for Separation of Church and State tweeted that they sent a letter to Sanders explaining why this was a problem. And, like, here's the thing. AU, very polite about this stuff because that's usually their MO here. They wrote, the governor's mansion... This is not your personal home here. This Mm. is the governor's mansion. Mm. It's a public building. If you have any religious imagery anywhere there, it ought to be in the private quarters of your house, not in the public-facing version of it, part of it. And telling people that this artwork was meant to, quote, welcome people into the governor's mansion, they said, that's a violation of the Establishment Clause. It sends the message that Arkansas favors one religion over another. Here's what they actually wrote. You and your family are free to display and create religious images and art in private areas of your residence. But a public-facing display in front of an entrance intended to welcome people into the governor's mansion is plainly on the wrong side of the constitutional line. We therefore ask that you remove this display. Now, just to be clear here, that's not a lawsuit. Mm -hmm. This is a polite reminder that, hey, this thing that you think is just a harmless little cute thing your kids did... It's not just a little cute thing. This mm. is a problem. She would know that was a problem. This is me talking, not mm-hmm. a you. She would know this was a problem if a Muslim governor had an Islamic symbol painted in front of a governor's mansion. If Josh Shapiro, the governor of Pennsylvania, had a Jewish symbol painted mm. in front of his. Imagine a, a gay or lesbian governor putting a pride flag, drawing that in front of their mansion well, because be fair, this the is a White symbol. White House was in rainbow colors when... Gay marriage. With light, temporarily. Yeah. Uh, with Obama. Unlike permanent and what, chalk. And what did what are, yeah, and what did Sarah Huck well no no, what did Sarah Huckabee Sanders and all the Christian right people do when Obama used lights on the White House okay. with the rainbow? They didn't sit there and say, Well, that, that's fine. I guess No, of course they threw a shit fit about it. 
wait, why? Okay. And that wasn't even religious. That wasn't illegal. That was a celebration of civil rights. This one is a Christian symbol. Don't look at me like that. I'm I'm mad. I'm sorry. I know you're mad, and someday we'll figure out what Someone needed to call her out on this. AU did. And so, how did Sarah Huckabee Sanders respond? Of course, she played the persecution. Oh, of course she did. Here's what she tweeted. Dear Americans United, I, I wish I could do a Southern accent. I cannot. Oh, I thought you were I a really good I have received actor. your letter, and my answer is no. I will not erase the beautiful cross my kids drew in chalk on the driveway of the governor's mansion or remove my post on social media. And, and, there's more, and I will not now or ever hide that I am a Christian which no one was asking her to do. She also said, In Arkansas, we stand up to bullying liberals. We won't let you power wash our kids' chalk drawings off our front steps. We won't let you tear down Christmas decorations and stomp our traditions into the dirt. We don't live our lives in fear of strongly worded letters coming down from Washington. I am offended by the implication that, just because I am a Christian, I am somehow a bigot. Think about all the shit she just made up whole cloth for that thing. No one bullied her. No one said, power wash this immediately. It's like, just don't do it. All you have to say is, all right, we won't do it again. It would have been fine. No one's murdering Santa. No one's burning down churches. No one's calling her a bigot. Like, not at AU. I am, because she is. But AU is not. They Mm -hmm. didn't call her any names. And they didn't do it because she's a Christian. They did it because she's promoting Christianity using her seat as governor. And that's the thing that bothers me. Like, this is what conservatives write when they know they're going to rile up progressives because she didn't address any of the church-state separation well, issues. Well, at least she didn't rile you up, Hemant. I know. At least her, she didn't get what exactly did, what, what she What did her daddy say? you personally. <laughs> what did her daddy say? Oh, I don't care. Mike Huckabee Why called Americans United bully Christophobes. That's Which pretty is funny. A term I've never heard before. is very fun, and it does not roll off the tongue, and it will not <laughs> stick. Mike anywhere. Huckabee is nothing if not a champion poet. Uh, yeah, no, forgive me for not getting my hackles up about this the way I actually haven't are. But this feels very rote. It feels very much like oh, a a a government official did something flagrantly Christian, unconstitutional, promoting Christianity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. dog. Yeah, yeah, bud. Yeah, I mean, oh boy, I don't know why this is the unconstitutional. Here's what else she did that made me you mad. You just interrupted me. <laughs> I know everybody thinks I interrupt you, but there has been like three people who are like, you have to stop interrupting Jess. Go you on. literally just started talking over me. <laughs> this just feels like the same shit I have been reading and writing about since I started being a part of the Friendly Atheist as a reader of like, oh, this Christian lawmaker did something that's, Obviously unconstitutional, but it's Christian, so everybody... And let's what all get the super fucking be? mad about it. Whether or not I... No, I think... Listen, I think the a, AU... Yeah. AU's response was measured and fine. Yes. I have no problem... I have no problem with any of this. I guess my curiosity is why is this the shit that gets you... Like, this is honestly like the fucking... This is the graffiti on the subway. This is the... This is the small thing they do that in the grand scope of things is not a big deal. There will be bigger things Are we're going to talk about later. Are you broken windows Yes, theory? that's what I was getting at. They're going to get away with this shit. And if they are allowed to get away with this shit, they're just going to keep pushing it. But Heaven, they're already getting away with it 
in the Supreme Court. Totally like, agree. why do I fucking give a shit if Sarah you, Huckabee Sanders is being a dick in Arkansas? I'm not going to go to Arkansas. Like, no, I know that's not a fair thing. Of that's un- But truly, like... Wait, so you're pe- fine with the AU letter? Yeah. The AU letter? Yeah. Calling I, her out on this. Yeah, I have no problem with okay. that. Okay. I am just wondering why, like... And her response to their letter. is absurd. Okay. It's absurd. It so is, it sounds like it we're is, exactly in the same place. But, like, I don't think this is... I would never in a million years tee off our podcast with this story because it feels like a Mad Libs. Oh, this was the appetizer for the bigger stuff. No, later. but true. No, I'm, I'm, not, I'm being serious. Like, he's like, this is crazy. It's not crazy. We do this story every week. Either it's a kid drawing a cross on, in front of the governor's mansion or it's some dude praying on a football field or it's a government official who wants to do a certain kind of prayer before their the meeting. The tone I'm this getting from you is we, we should not get mad about that stuff. I'm not saying we shouldn't get mad. I am frustrated because the shit that I think is worth getting mad about you're so even killed but and the then stuff this you get mad about genuine no, 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 not nonsense you. the stuff we get mad about rightly so in your opinion which we should get mad about i think that stuff happens when stuff like this which is small potatoes mm-hmm. this when anyone lets this stuff slide or they get away with it that's the reason all the bigger shit happens which is fair so this is the thing you got to stop this not you this like Sarah Huckabee Sanders needs to stop this shit now, right. and I'm glad AU called her out on it and all that. And I think this would be an obvious bigger story if she was not a Christian. Mm. I think that would be obvious too. Sure, but that's I I feel genuine, and this is not me criticizing our podcast or you, who is the person who compiles this. I'm not criticizing yeah. you. I'm just to me when you when these stories come to us, it's like genuinely it's mad libs it's you know x person who happens to be christian who is in authority wants to do a prayer draw a cross hang in god we trust but like it's just this story over and over and i'm not saying it's not something worth paying attention to and i'm not saying it's not worth bringing up i guess for me i so rarely see you get actively like agitated i'm saving it for later i wonder though is it just because i'm not reacting enough and you feel like you have to like yes probably um sarah huckabee sanders also did this in responding uh in responding to au she said despite the cross imagery uh she said all people of all faiths are welcome in the governor's mansion, which, by the way, the phrasing of that, that Why does exclude... Why lie about her kids making that, though? That's the thing that's yeah. really going to fuck my shit up uh, for years. If she says all people of all faiths are welcome, that but technically not, excludes no atheists. Yeah, I heard it. By the way, she also said, we are one nation under God in her letter, which not only excludes atheists, that really does exclude all non-Christians, too, the yeah. way she says that. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing. You don't have to convince me that she's a fucking dickbag. You do not have to convince me that Sarah Huckabee Sanders is the villain. I, it, it's, I've heard it before. Like, how, how many times can I hear this kind of thing of, oh, this Forget is Forget the cross. I think it's what it represents. It's here's someone who has no pushback. It's certainly not in Arkansas where they Republicans run the state. Mm-hmm. She gets no pushback for this stuff. She gets away with it. And then it just becomes a thing governors do. hundred percent. that's the thing. It's like, if we don't get mad about this then it's going to keep getting worse. It is worse. We're going to talk about worse. But it's like, no, you should get mad about, not you. People should get mad about this shit because that's how the bigger things happen. Which is, you're right. I completely concede that point. And this is the same conversation we had 10 years ago, probably not on a podcast Mm -hmm. because it didn't exist, but about... um, um, What's the thing with Jesus and Christmas? The minister... Nope. 
fuck, what's it called when Jesus was born and Mary and Joseph and there's donkeys and it's a barn? The nativity. Nativity. Wow, I couldn't find it at all. Where they put those Nativities up in city on halls. city hall and things like also that. Also deserve to be called out. Also deserve to be called out. And also what, and I felt at the time and still do now, ugh, I hate doing this shit. I hate I, doing I, it because it's small potatoes, but... If you look at where Christian Not nationalism just is it's now, potatoes because it makes us look like fucking Scrooges, and they know that. They know that like anytime they push buttons, anything we we as atheists are like, oh, so you hate Christmas? I oh, you hate family? Oh, you hate snow? I think that's part of what annoyed me about the story. It's her smug, annoying response to yeah, all this because she's a smug and annoying of course person. She is. I think it's because, A, you wrote the mildest, politest letter. Because there's no nice way to tell a Christian nationalist, hey, please don't be a Christian nationalist. Right. Everything is persecution for those people. Right. So there is no nice way to do it. A, you found a nice way to do it anyway. And her response is, oh, how dare you? Like, that was the game plan and all so along. Far for the but, but that was the right move from A, you. Yeah. It should go away. It's not a lawsuit-worthy thing. It's just one of those, why Why are you doing this? At least get it on the record that you do not care about all non-Christians, because that's the message you're sending but, here. I mean, listen, <sighs> you're right, and I don't disagree with you, but saying, oh, let's get it on the record that she's anti-atheist. Like, yeah, well, dog, it's on do the it record. Every time. She doesn't fucking like and us and what? doesn't believe we're real Americans. Like, we don't need to keep a we log talk for about every time this she reinforces because no one that. else is going to talk about this. Well, that's fair enough. I right. just, it just You're means really not I have like to wa- talk about this every week, and sometimes it's kind of emotional. You don't have draining. to talk. I'll do it for you. We're here. coming across, uh, coming <laughs> off of Fourth of July, which I find to be a deeply emotionally draining holiday, especially ever since 2020, when for some reason people in the Chicago suburbs just set off fireworks for a month straight at the beginning of COVID, and now my dog is fucking terrified of them. So thanks, d bags. I fucking hate fireworks. Speaking of d bags, all <gasps> right. Last weekend, I had my in-laws over, and we needed to make dinner in a crunch. Instead of ordering out, we did something even easier thanks to ButcherBox. We were able to grab just what we needed, and exactly how much we needed, from the freezer. After that, everything else was a breeze. You, too, can skip the grocery store knowing you have the food you trust and the food you chose in your freezer. I know that might sound strange coming from me since I'm vegetarian, but they have a high-quality veggie burger that I absolutely love. They have options for pescatarians, too. And if you eat everything, that's also okay. The food from ButcherBox is high-quality, grass-fed, and free-range. Have peace of mind knowing there are no antibiotics or added hormones. Sign up at ButcherBox.com friendly and get our special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. Choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com friendly and use code FRIENDLY to choose your free-for-a-year offer plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. 
I don't think you're going to like this story either. All I right. don't like any of the stories. On July 4th, Republican Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri tweeted this a- out. He's still a senator. His wife was one of the uh, attorneys working on that. Uh, Lori Smith makes a Christian website, but she doesn't want to do wedding websites for oh, gay couples. She was one of the lawyers for her. The Supreme yeah. Court on. Are we going to yeah. go over the things that we lost uh, later? No, we went over them last we went week. Over we them, lost but them. his wife is one of the attorneys for that side. Just cool. obvious. Anyway, Josh Hawley tweeted this out. It's an obligatory quotation from a founding father on Independence Day. He just said, "Here's the tweet: Patrick Henry colon. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often." That this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. For this very reason, peoples of other faiths have been afforded asylum, prosperity, and freedom of worship here. Basically and then he saying, said, give me liberty or give me yeah. death. And basically, he's, Josh Hawley's implication here is because America was founded on Christianity, Mm -hmm. that's why the rest of you peasants have freedom of religion. You could thank a Christian for that. Um, That's the quotation he tweeted. Always, always, my question is, so fucking what? Yeah, that's part of it, too. Like, we're not here by your... We're not here at the pleasure of the Christians. That's not how any of this works. So two problems with everything he did. Okay. He said Just two. Just two. Congratulations. Yes. First problem. It implies that Christianity is foundational to our country's history. Like Jesus wrapped himself in the American flag and then oh, blessed all that. the colonies during the war. That was the third act of Jesus yep. Christ Superstar. And, then he and went, that's a wild Then one. he went back in time and ascended to heaven. And it also suggests that Christians have always welcomed and accepted non-Christians mm, classically, instead of subjugating classically them. Classically, Christians are really yeah. good at just embracing people and meeting them where they are uh-huh. and, and speaking to them in their language. I feel like indigenous people have very different ideas about that one. Mm, okay. Yeah, you think? Um, but also, this is a sort of revisionist bullshit history you expect from, like, David, David Barton. Barton. Yeah, and not from a credible My source. Like nemesis. Yeah, there were founders who were some form of Christian, yes, mm. but a lot of them were deists mm-hmm. and did not believe in Christianity the this way these the guys do. This that frustrates me, because I learned that they were deists in, like, high school. I yeah. learned what deism was because of the Founding Fathers and was intrigued <laughs> by it and genuinely might have led me down a path of religion. But I was like, mm, mm-hmm. this is too Christian. I don't and by like the way, it. none of those people practice, like, evangelical zealotry that the mega-Christians practice today. When's the last time I've talked about Thomas Jefferson's Bible? You the do Jefferson it every week. Bible. I'm going to tell it again because we have new re- listeners. Listen, TJ, Thomas Jefferson, you know him. Um, he famously thought that Jesus was a very good uh, teacher and had a lot of moral things to teach us, but he thought the magic was nonsense. And so he, and I had the privilege, actually at recent rally, I had the privilege of seeing a copy of the Jeffer- of one of the Jefferson Bibles because my dude took a straight razor to the parts of the Bible that were magical. And because he had no fucking time for it. He wanted to learn the morality lessons and he didn't want anybody to be like, oh, but if you pray, you do this. Um, and if Christ, if anything explains the founding father's view of religion, I can't think of a better example. Right. Can you? This country was in no sense founded on like, the gospel of Jesus I, Christ. I just would love to hear a conservative be like, oh, Thomas Jefferson wasn't technically a founding father or yeah, whatever. Like, you uh-huh. know what I mean? Like, it, it's so obvious 
It, it, and okay, so sorry. the history of like American Christianity, it, it's full of exclusion. It's full of slavery. It's full of the subjugation of various minority groups. So like it's colonization even, in a nutshell, yeah, even in principle, Holly's tweet made no sense. Like, why would you use that quotation to do say anything? Wait, say the quote again. I forgot what we we're talking about. Basically, we were founded not by random oh, religious yes, yes, people yes, yes, seeking yes, yes, religious yes. freedom. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It was Christians. Yeah. We were founded on Jesus. Anyway. So that's the first problem. In principle, none of that makes any sense. Mm. Second problem, Patrick Henry never said that shit. Really? Never. Okay, let me take you down a did rabbit hole. Did he really say, give me liberty or give me he death? He did say that one. Thank fuck Let me Christ. take you down the rabbit hole here. I bet. I got my face. In 1956. Okay. Which, by the way, Patrick Henry Somewhat was dead. after his death. Yeah. He was a slave-owning Christian, and he was dead by this point. And a founding father, I think, for timeline yes. purposes. Long dead. There was a... New, uh, there was not news outlet. There was an outlet called the Virginian. It was pro segregation. Oh, cool. Uh, 1956. They published. Oh, 1956 uh-huh. pro segregation. Oh, yeah. Cool look, guys. They published a piece about Patrick Henry. And a segment of that piece was the, the reason we know that mm-hmm. is because another uh, magazine called the American Mercury, they had a little filler material on a page of their magazine and uh-huh. they were like hey this was printed in the virginian like a few months ago so we wanted to excerpt it right uh-huh. here and i have a screenshot of the american mercury it's you don't even need to uh-huh. look at it but in the little box here's what they say they show patrick henry who by the way was christian and very open about it uh-huh. there's a line from his will like i've i've given you people in my family everything i have if there's anything else i wish i could give you it's the Christian religion. Some some oh, BS like it. Fine. But after I they quote, liked money more. <laughs> after they quote what he wrote in his will, there is commentary by whoever wrote the article for the Virginian. Oh, I see. Where it says the following: There is an insidious campaign of false propaganda being waged today to the effect that our country is not a Christian country but a religious one. That it was not founded on Christianity but on freedom of religion. <laughs> it, that's what the writer... As if that's the scare quotes that yeah. he has. It, and then it's the writer for the Virginian who says, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, wow. but by Christians, yada, yada, yada. And then the last paragraph here says, in the spoken and written words of our noble founders and forefathers, we find symbolic expressions of their Christian faith. The above quotation. Symbolic expressions? Because David Martin told me it's pretty obvious. We'll get back there. The above quotation from the will of Patrick Henry is a notable example of the founders espousing their Christianity. Of a journalist talking about their (laughs) opinions. So just to be clear, Patrick Henry, yes, he was Christian. No one's doubting that. He spoke about it very, like, it was on his sleeves. He he wore it on his sleeves. Fine. Which is fine. But he didn't say the thing that has Patrick Henry and then quotation marks inside of it. That wasn't Patrick Henry speaking. Okay. That was a dude who wanted to use Patrick Henry to advance to, some yeah. other agenda. So okay. a, 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 an ignorant dum-dum used another ignorant dum-dum's words, contributing them to a third, probably smarter Something person. Like okay. Uh, yes. So this is a third-hand mistake. So that was 1956. Sure. Okay. Sure. Oh, God, there's more? So where did this get into the popular ideology here that, like, Patrick Henry said this? Well, oh. in 1989, there was a book called The Myth of Separation. Guess who wrote that book? Is it David Barton? It is, is David Barton. Is it his Barton. debut novel? Uh, oh, I don't know if it's me. his... Non-fiction book. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's his first book, but it was an early book. But here's what it says. Uh, I'm quoting from David Barton's book here. 
uh, Patrick Henry, was largely responsible for the adoption of the first 10 amendments to the Constitution, now known as the Bill of Rights. Since Patrick Henry... Largely personally responsible? Largely responsible. I feel like it was anyway, a group. Since Patrick Henry was a driving force behind the First Amendment, did he see it as separating church and state? How did he feel about mixing public affairs with Christianity? Then David Barton quotes, quotes that, that bit and attributes uh, it to Patrick Henry. Wait, are you telling me that David Barton probably willfully misquoted a founding father to uh, progress his own means? Uh-huh. Not only that, oh? that quotation comes with a little footnote number. So Tell me what look, it says. If you he look up cited the foot, it. He cited it. What's the citation? Tell me. The citation goes to a 1988 book Wonder by Pride? a guy named Steve Dawson. And it, according to David Barton... Uh, the book written by Steve C. Dawson is called God's Providence in American History. Guess what? What? There's no book of that name. It doesn't exist. Wait, now, what? Now. I was gonna, what was the name? Dawson? John uh, Steve, Dawson? Steve Dawson. Steve Dawson does sound like a like su- <laughs> a generic superhero name. <laughs> there is a book, I will say, with a similar title, which I assume is what Barton was referring by to. By Dawson. Uh, but it's a different title similar to it. But again, I can't read it online because I don't think there's any copies of that. So I don't know what Steve Dawson wrote. I don't know how innocent or not innocent of a mistake David Barton made. Oh, okay. Actually, listen, before we get into whatever we're going to say, I just need a moment, like 30 seconds to talk about what it means to be a historian (laughs) and do these things. So, um, boy, oh boy. Okay. When you are interviewing somebody, that is a First connection, right? Like, what's the word? First hand uh, source. First hand source. Thank yes. you. I could not find hand. It's a first hand source, right? So if I say, I asked Hemet about. Source, a primary source. Primary source. I asked Hemet about Hemet, and he said this. That's my primary source. And then as that moves away, and then I told my friend Susie, hey, Hemet said this about that. That's a second hand source, right? Mm-hmm. I heard from Hemet's friend about this. Mm-hmm. Um, the important reason that we talk about first, second, third-hand sources is because we, we journalists, not a journalist, I want to be very clear, <laughs> me, not a journalist, um, I'm just a writer, um, we as journalists, though, <laughs> have a responsibility to report the truth as, as well as they know it, and therefore, um, basically, and we need to... check your sources. They, check your sources, and if you get a book that quotes somebody... You need to look in that book and find that book's source until you find the primary source, whether it's him writing it down or a firsthand account of John Henry, not John Henry, Patrick Henry, Patrick Henry, David Barton's whole thing. David Barton's whole shtick is he only cares about primary sources. He doesn't. Are you sure? Because what you Uh just read to me wasn't that. David Barton says, I always read the primary sources because your history books are lying to you. They're filtering the material. I suggest you read the primary source. And yet here he is citing some other guy's book and then getting it wrong. I just, uh, it's such a specious argument to be like, um, I primary sources mm-hmm. because even if he did even if he took those works we know okay i can go from here to there of like the result the story gets is better later the result is he's making up some bullshit that's about how christian christianity is actually the only way you can be american and he's going back to these sources and there's lots of writings and contemporaneous writings about the founding fathers so it's pretty fucking easy to pick through that and find things that support your... It's like a reality show, oh, right? Yeah. Like, you can pick any clips to support your plot. Edit it however you want. Oh, my God. 
can we do a series about like history as reality television and whoever's like producing and ending it gets to tell their story? Bonus I think that would be material. interesting. Oh, that's I would have to. So work guess though. what? Yeah. What? Guess who else spread it? The oh. same misinform uh, misattributed quotation from Patrick Henry. Sarah who, uh, in in twenty eleven. In twenty eleven. Newt Gingrich writes a book called A Nation Like No Other, Why American Exceptionalism oh. Matters. I think Newt Gingrich is second only to Ronald Reagan as the person who fucking destroyed politics in the yeah. latter half of the twentieth century. Here's Newt Gingrich. Consider Fuck that guy. the following quotes His by name some is of us. Newt, and His we're all just chill with that? Consider the following quotes by some of our most notable founders, who not only openly articulated their own commitment to Christianity, but their belief that it was only a moral and religious people who could sustain a government of, by, and for the people. And one of the options, one of the bullet points he gives here, the same Patrick Henry who proclaimed, give me liberty or give me death, also said... It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. And then there's a footnote, because Newt Gingrich was, or his ghostwriter, was getting this from somewhere. Uh, Where did he get that? So what's the footnote? This is what reporting looks like, ladies and gentlemen. It's It's really boring. I checked this book out from the Internet Archive, damn it, to see where the footnote was. You foyered that shit. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Gingrich just cites some random article on a random website. He just Googled it. He's like, Wait, found it. Wait, what year was this book from? Uh, 2011. Oh, oh, 2011. I was thinking it was like 2002, and I was like, ooh. Yeah. Oh, that's the hysterical. Point is, all of these people. So all of these are people. Are you telling me that the people who aren't intellectually honest are also plagiarizers and do not, <laughs> like, research well, their shit? They definitely it's don't know so how to research embar- shit. Like, David Barton famously doesn't know how to research shit, oh, and he gets God. called out on it all the time, and then he keeps fucking parroting the lies because Christians so believe it. Fucking much. Now, here's the thing. All, I hate yes. when people use religion as a cudgel because they misunderstand it or all, choose to misunderstand it. Fuck those guys. Go ahead. All these people are spreading the same lie, yeah. same lie, same quote it's to suit the their agenda. Line, my dude. Why are and you surprised? It should be telling that these guys have to resort to a lie to defend their version yeah, of the I nation's know. history. But here's my favorite bit about this. Recently, guess the undisputed king of Christian batshittery, David Barton himself, now says on his website that quotation was falsely attributed Wait, to Patrick Henry. He admitted he was he admits wrong. It. And he says on his website now, uh, David Barton, until more definitive documentation can be presented, please avoid the words in question. He's saying, like, look, I can't find the source material where Patrick Henry said this. It's because he never said it. So David Barton's uh, like, well, until I can find the source material, maybe don't spread that particular line. How many- Even David freaking Barton found a way to say, like, I, I, I shouldn't have said that. Okay. Okay. Not to defend Josh Holly at all, but I hope David Bar- Burton does more research into his terrible books than fucking Josh Hawley does in mm-hmm. retweeting a meme. Like, listen, I know we should hold our, like, representatives uh-huh. in higher standard, but I don't. And so, yeah, of course this idiot retweeted a fake quote without so, even bothering to wonder if it was real. He didn't even think about it. Heather. And that's that's exactly my first thought. He didn't think about of it. Someone told him this quotation. He tweeted it. doesn't matter it. to but them. once you find out David Barton is beating you in a battle of ethics, 
that's the time you say, you guys, I was wrong. That it wasn't him that said it. But the principle still stands. No, you, I thought that's where he would go with this. Uh, you're mistaking them because they are in a race to the bottom. Yes. So what did Josh Hawley do after a gazillion pe- By the way, two million people viewed his false tweet, according to Twitter. I don't know if the view count matters there. But two million people Ooh, are allegedly we saw it. Twitter in the bonus? Bonus, yes. Um, so here's the thing. How did Hawley respond after all these people called him out? Haters going to hate. On the lie. Here's what he said. Taylor Swift saying oh, it's even better. Hate, hate, even hate, better. Hate, hate, hate. Don't no, no. Here's what he went with. Brutal. I am told the libs are <laughs> major triggered Ma- by the. Sorry, major triggered. Unquote. I'm told the libs are major, major triggered, triggered by the connection between the Bible and the American founding. For example, quote. The Declaration of Independence first organized the social compact on the foundation of the Redeemer's mission on Earth, unquote, John Quincy Adams. What's the Redeemer's mission I, on Earth? Jesus, I've Jesus, Jesus. But he's saying there is a connection between the Bible and the American founding. He does not apologize for the Patrick Henry quote. He doesn't even admit it was wrong. He says there care. was a connection at the beginning of our country. John Quincy Adams even said it. Here's the thing. In seventeen seventy six post truth society. In seventeen seventy six, guess how old John Quincy Adams was? Seventeen seventy six? Oh mm-hmm. my god, no, he wouldn't have even been born because John Adams. He was nine he was years nine? old. John Quincy Adams, John was, Adams nine. was his, his You would his think dad. Josh Hawley, I mean, who listen, just published from the mouth of babes, am I right? <laughs> Your kids have said some wise things to me, like my dad's an idiot. <laughs> there you go. Unquote. Was that you a good would joke? think not even close. <laughs> that was just mean. You would think. Josh Hawley, who just published a book called, do you know what his title of his book is? Uh, Truth is Everything. Manhood. (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah, wokeism was taken. So you would think a guy who's like, here's what it takes to. Hashtag canceled, dude. (laughs) With duct tape over his mouth. Oh, my God, so brave. You would think a guy who publishes (laughs) a book about how to be a man could at least apologize for making a mistake, but no, apologizing is for the woke. By the way, Josh Hawley. 37. How old am I? Uh, I don't know anymore. 30 My 37 years seven. Uh, of interacting with men says to me that they never admit when they're wrong, and if they do, they want a medal for there it. You go. This is how Josh Hawley, honors history major at Stanford, graduate of Yale Law School. Wait, really? Can't do basic research. Wait, he's like legit smart? Or oh, yeah. is he a legacy? It's, it's all an act. John Kennedy, the senator from Louisiana right now, mm. same thing. He's like an Oxford really? sort of, yeah. I mean, listen, being educated doesn't mean you're smart. But these guys and are purposely stupid. Co- these guys are purposely stupid. Or are they smart enough to bend quote unquote facts into their favor? And Josh Hawley is one of those guys where he knows exactly what he's doing. Like Marjorie Taylor Greene, no, she's just dumb. Lauren Boebert, just dumb. Yeah. Josh Hawley, no, he's just playing this up. Yeah, I, I feel like that is we've talked about. We talk a lot, or I break up a lot about eyes open versus eyes closed. Like. Are you spouting bullshit? Are your eyes open? Do you know you're scamming people? Or are you eyes closed? You genuinely believe all this yeah. nonsense. No. I don't um, think he's a true believer. So you think he, he's, he's eyes playing open. a game. The, and truly, this is, if anybody ever meets me in public, all I want to talk about is whether any given person is eyes open or eyes closed. Because it's just, like, to me, the most interesting, like, plumbing of, like, mental depths. Uh, there's a historian, Kevin Cruz, who put it this way. I really liked it. To be sure, it's fun to counter Hawley's grasping search for historical soulmate (laughs) with the more prominent and important writings of Washington, Adams, Jefferson, and others that so clearly refute his ideas. 
But it's better, I think, this is Kevin Cruz, it's better, I think, to brush aside these politicians and partisans who cherry-pick their way through the founding era Mm. and simply remind them that in the Constitution of the United States, you know, the document that actually founded the country and established its rules and norms, none of their wish-casting for a Christian nation finds any support at all. I mean, it's so well, that's so well stated, is... Even if even if Dave Burton is a hundred percent right, and all of the Chris and he all is not is not, I want to be very <laughs> clear, is not. Even if all of the founding fathers were deeply religious, they if we listen, you guys, y'all, David Burtons of the world, you can't laud the founding fathers for being this like weird omnipotent group of twenty four year olds, <laughs> and. Also say, like, oh, well, they said this, but they meant this. Wink, wink, wink. Like, mm-hmm. you have to, th- and this is a, a conservative thing that happens very frequently, or and it's a thing that when people are wrong, they tend to do, is find any exit they can, right? Even if it's not intellectually honest, and even if it disrupt or, uh, disagrees with something they said in a minute before, yeah, the yeah no, the founding fathers were super super Christian and were really declarative about it. Oh no no no, they were really Christian but didn't talk about it because they knew they weren't allowed to talk about it. Like you cannot have it both ways. You so can- how did Josh Hawley spend July Fourth, the day our democracy was technically born, promoting theocracy? Uh, there you go. All right, I, I saved know. the best story for you now. Oh boy, I've been waiting a week. Are you waiting? Are you ready for this? Oh, okay, boy. I'm going to tell you a story. I'm nervous. I'm sweating. So in May of 2022, it was the last week of school May at a place. Okay, yep, so like a year ago. Yeah. Uh, it was the last week of school at Sky Ridge High School in mm. Lehigh, Utah. Random public high school. You always give me the Rockies. Yep. They love seeing sky. And here's the thing. Last week of school at a big public high school, administrators have a lot of shit to do. Yeah. They got to wrap up grades. nothing to do. Students have nothing to do. It's They're done. You've taken your AP test. <laughs> You've taken your finals. Yeah. So, so the school's administrators are kind of lenient when it comes to things like attendance. Because, like, listen, if a kid misses school, you're, they're not missing out you on a lot of important day, stuff. Yeah. Whatever. So, staff wasn't checked out, though. Like, the point of the leniency is that students could meet with their teachers at the end of the year to discuss grades. Teachers can wrap up their end of the year paperwork, mm-hmm. which they have a lot to do. Fine. But one of the days in that last week of school... A mother of a student came to the school to pick up her son, I guess, early to check him out or something, and no one could find him. He wasn't in the classroom on his schedule, and he didn't respond to an announcement over the intercom. So she's like, where's my son? He's supposed to be at school. She only found her son. We'll call him JD, like John Doe. We'll call him JD. She only found him because the mother texted his girlfriend like, hey, where's my son? And the girlfriend's like, oh, we're hanging out in the parking lot, like a lot of students, I assume, were. So, okay. like, they went to the parking Does lot. Did kidnap his own cell phone? Uh, I don't know. Okay. But anyway, so here's the question I'll pose to you first. Mm-hmm. Did school officials do anything wrong here? Uh, I don't know how old this person High is. High school, let's say senior. I'm making that but up. But is I don't he know. 18 or is he 17? Uh, That's a huge difference. I don't know. I mean, I'm going to assume child. I'll say uh, 16 so we'll or say 17. Minor. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean. I don't remember if I know his age. Uh, I would say yes and no. Like, certainly it is a school's responsibility to sort of keep track of their kids, mm-hmm. but they're not babysitters, and yeah. there is probably, what, a staff member per 30 kids, yeah. and it's unreasonable to expect somebody to have eyes on kids the whole time. Yeah, I think you. I think that's right. I think you can and make a case. he was on the property, so it doesn't feel like a huge 
issue. I think you could make a case either way. Like, should they have done more? Yeah. The school even said, like, later on, yeah, we, we probably should have done a better job of keeping I their mean, eye on Anybody all the kids. who's been in, like, this kind of thing that, like, ooh, in hindsight, we should have taken this mm-hmm. more seriously, those first beats, yeah. there's no way you're going to be like, oh, my God, we have to go on lockdown because yeah. Brandon is missing. Okay, so here's the thing. Okay. Was he the mother and father? something? The mother and father just filed a lawsuit against the school district. This was a while ago. This was shortly after that. They filed a lawsuit against the school district claiming that the unsupervised time when their son was in the parking lot that violated the free exercise of their Mormon faith. What? 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 Wait, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. They Let me said, process that for a second. You were not supervising our kid. So the kid not be. So the, I think. Oh, can I guess the kid not being supervised? Me, like in their Mormon faith, a minor cannot be with a girl unsupervised by an adult, and therefore this kid was out in the in the parking lot, probably with girls, and there was no person present, so he Close. was unchaperoned. Close. That's my guess. They found out oh, somehow that JD. And his girlfriend had sex multiple times that week in the parking lot. And premarital sex went against their religion. So they were blaming the school for allowing their son to be unsupervised and allowing him indirectly to have the free time to have sex with his judge said, girlfriend. yeah, this is a super chill lawsuit for sure. <laughs> Here's the news. Here's why we're that talking about it now. That is a bananas lawsuit. Totally bananas lawsuit. The judge, a federal judge. A has, federal yeah, judge. This went federal court. They have now tossed out the lawsuit. Thank fucking Christ. And that's the ruling I read. And that ruling was downright hilarious. Basically because the judge kind of documented the case history here, right? Okay. And you find out how batshit crazy these parents are. (gasps) Okay. To be clear, Mormon church does urge abstinence before marriage. And in the case of these parents, they learned their son was doing it anyway. Even apparently they knew he was having sex before the parking lot stuff. And they were like, oh, no, you can't do this. And then they found out he was also having sex during the school day. Oh, my favorite thing about this. When they so found out he was having sex. over lack of supervision? Yeah. Okay. But they already knew at the time he had had premarital sex okay. with his girlfriend. So they placed restrictions on him. They said, you always have to have a chaperone if you're around your girlfriend. There it is. And by the way, you can only travel to and from school with a sibling. And guess what? Their kid found a way around all that shit because wow, he's a teenager. It's so wild because Surprise. never in the history of humanity has a kid disobeyed <laughs> their, their parents in order to hook up with the person. Uh huh. So let me quote you from the judge Not here. Me. Oh, Nobody wanted so... to hook up with me, though. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> let me quote you from this judge here, uh, Jill Parrish, yeah. U.S. District Judge. She, the family's called in the legal brief uh, the Doe's. The Doe's cannot wield the constitutional right to parent as a sword to require the district to adopt policies that help them to direct and control their son's choices. Dot, dot, dot. Beautiful work. The school district did not coerce J.D. into acting against his religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. He freely chose to have premarital sex with his girlfriend, even though this was against the teachings of his religion. The school dot dot dot. The school, school custom. Right? Yes. Okay. The school custom of giving students unsupervised time after being released early from class during the last week of school applies equally to all students, 
regardless of religion. Therefore, it's neutral and generally applicable. Yeah. So they weren't like going after Mormons but by giving him free time. Federal court got to federal is court. Is that just on basis of the allegations, or did it get like appealed up? I don't know the court. I think they very said well. you violated like the U.S. Constitution, I so see. we got to go to a federal court. Okay, okay. But basically, the judge is like the district's policies were neutral. The district did not like say let's go after I'm the Mormons. Wait, wait, can you help and the me school understand? was under no obligation to force your kid to follow your religious faith. That's not the school's job. What? That's your job as parents if you want it to be. I'm genuinely confused what they were suing over. They were saying of, by of, not watching our sons, by giving him all this free time, the school like gave him the chance to violate his religious beliefs and we're blaming you so they for think a school is essentially a prison they think that if their religion says you got to be chaperoned you no, can't no, be no. alone then the school's responsibility is to back you up on that and Which the judge and the judge is like yeah that's insane it's not the that's school's job bananas. to make sure your kid follows your religious beliefs and that's on your kid nor is it that they are going to be super i, I feel like the expectation of my kid is going to be under the watchful eye of an adult 24/7 if they're in this building is not it's not how any reasonable, and I sort of fucking god. Have you guys seen any movies that took place in the twentieth century? Because everybody smokes in the bathroom in high schools. Apparently, again, was not invited to do so. Now, the judge, however, did say, okay, on the case of negligence, was the school negligent? The judge, the family, claimed the district breached their care of their duty of care and caused their son emotional distress. Excuse me. That's what the family the said. The school caused some yes. emotional distress, or. His parents who are hosting a lawsuit over his sexual activities as a teenager, yeah. which is basically I think teenagers are all really <laughs> chill about their sex life and are really happy to talk about it and have a lot of people know about it. So definitely, definitely it was a school that was causing harm. So right? the judge is saying, if you're arguing they violated your religious beliefs, that's bullshit. I'm tossing that out. If you're saying the school was negligent, which is not a religious argument here, yeah. um, Fine, but the district says we have liability from state based on state law. So the federal judge said, "All right, fine. Then take that issue to a state court. That's sure. not my job." So the case isn't dead, but the religious aspect of it is absolutely dead. To me, it seemed like the parents wow. were just looking for someone yeah. or anyone to blame for the fact that their religious rules uh, were not working because their kid didn't give a damn about them. I mean. It's such a good example of the way kind of religious people view the world of we're imparting these quote unquote values on our children, which are to go against most of humanity, right? Like to not have sex and not feel those those feelings of attraction. And when that doesn't work for some fucking reason, they need to lash out because it's certainly not their fault. They no. did what the Bible said. That's all they could do. Their pastor said they were doing the right thing. It's the kid that's the problem. The kid apparently thinks having sex with his girlfriend is more important than following the tenets of Mormonism. Listen, which, yeah, dog. All right. So the parents are suing the school. They sued the school district. I'm glad the judge at least tossed it like, out. Given the like, option, would I rather have sex or be religious? <laughs> I would choose sex, but I don't. I mean, not everybody has my because values. you're weird like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm the one person in <laughs> yeah. America who who values sex over religion. Yeah, don't tell anybody, guys. I'll get fired. <laughs> There's morality clauses in all of my contracts. <laughs> all right, we got to talk about something serious here. No. Yes. Okay, so get this. In right. Sweden, um, about a week ago, when there was a Muslim celebration, it was a holiday in Islam, 
a man in Sweden, his last name is Momika. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Basically a troll, a right-wing troll. Mm. This guy was standing outside the Stockholm Central Mosque in Sweden with a copy of the Quran, waving it around, tearing it up. He took a strip uh. of bacon. Uh, like He's live streaming all this, by the way. Took a strip of bacon, puts it in the book, sets that on fire. Um, by the way, he is an Iraqi Christian who is a refugee to Sweden, but also like a troll. And he was protesting because he just doesn't like Islam and he wants the book banned or something like that. Hmm. So here's the thing. He's doing this in front of the mosque. Everyone around at the time, because again, this is densely populated because it's a Muslim holiday. Yeah. All the Muslims around are like, we're not giving this dude attention. Sure. We're not reacting to this shit. Like he can do what he wants. Yeah. Legally, he has the right to do it. But like, we're not, we're not reacting to it. It's like that right? preacher in front of the old Navy for a long time in the loot. Remember <laughs> that guy? Do you remember that guy? Short I black guy with a little tiny microphone and box, and he would talk about how like gay people or whatever. And if you'd see somebody smoking, he'd be like, "Oh, smoking's for the devil." And it's every, like all those campus preachers. And like, it was truly like, do you want to engage or yeah, do you want to ignore? It was in the heart of the loop in Chicago, and every single human being just ignored him because it's easy to do. Yeah. Okay. And so, so here's the thing: there. whenever Christians pull the same stunt, like their ob their objective is always to get a reaction, not really to destroy an object so much. Like Greg Locke recently, that hate preacher, he did like on Halloween a book burning where he's like, Harry Potter sure. books are going in the fire. It's like, and truly that shit, like fine, do it. Yeah. You look much better than anybody can make you look. <laughs> if you think this is the right thing to and do. And if congrats. you think liberals are freaking out because Harry Potter books are being burned, you, you haven't have not been on Twitter <laughs> for like eight years. Anyway, so if, like, listen, if this guy wanted to make a point, he could have burned it anywhere. But yeah. he chose to do it in front of a mosque. Of he was course. trying to be For provocative. Effect, yeah. Yes. But here's the thing. That should have been the end of it, because like no one there cared. Yeah, he has a legal right to do it, arguably, but like it's stupid. It's not strategic for mm. whatever he was trying to do. But that act has now flamed like a global controversy. Flamed? Inflamed, yes, yes. Ha. Huh? A global controversy because it's to the point where Sweden's entry into NATO may be delayed because of this controversy. Fuck off. Are you can yeah. wait, really? I'll give you some background on this. Like if you don't I don't I had to wait, dig Sweden back in this. NATO? We'll North talk. American we'll talk. So okay. North Atlantic. Um, oh, North but Atlantic, the, that's it. Like a decade ago. Do you remember this guy, Terry Jones? He was a Florida pastor who announced plans that to like commemorate 9-11. He was gonna destroy three thousand copies of the Quran. Yes. It was a long time what ago. What year would that have been? That was, was it like ten years? Ten, the 10-year yeah. anniversary? Something yeah, like that. Yeah, that was probably he early had, in my friendly atheist days. done it in the past under the mistaken belief that Muslims wanted to impose Sharia law. That was the Obama-era, like, Oh, God, I haven't heard them yell Sharia law in a minute. Yeah, it's like the caravan. And it comes and goes when sure, the Republicans want And weirdly, they're to. the ones who are fully trying to enforce, like, sexual and moral uh -huh. laws onto people and uh -huh. don't see the they irony there. They don't see the irony. But basically, Terry Jones, this pastor, a decade ago, he was actually urged not to do it, not just by U.S. politicians, but also military leaders who said, if you pull this shit, yeah, you have a First Amendment right to burn these books. But if you do it, we have American troops in Afghanistan and Iraq. You are putting them in harm's way. Yeah, and but he wants to make a point, Hammond. You know, they urged him not to do it. And actually, like a day before he was going to do it, mm. probably, he was arrested for like unrelated reasons. So it never wink, happened. Wink, wink, wink. Wink, Yeah. Anyway, that like this really? sort of thing happens where these Christian extremists are like, I'm going to do this to just piss off Muslims. 
But here's the thing. And that doesn't make the news very much, does it? Not anymore. Like international radical Christians, not very frequent. And when it happens in the U.S., we just... And ignore that they're white and Christian. Yeah, and the reason people are opposed to this sort of stunt, it's mm. not about restricting free speech. That With Terry Jones a decade ago, it wasn't like, a, no, you should be allowed to do it because it's free speech. Let's all burn any holy book we want. Let's burn mm. a flag in our free time. It's not a free speech issue in this case. It's about why are you trying to antagonize peaceful Muslims more than anything else. That's the part that a lot of critics, at least of this case, Mm -hmm. of the guy in Sweden, the critics were like, yeah, I guess you can do it, but why? What are you trying to accomplish here? Because the only people who are really going to get riled up about this are Muslims who aren't hurting you. Yeah. So, like, why? What is your strategy here? (sighs) So... Um this is an interesting case, and and I actually and I I literally had already written it down. I wrote down flag burning yeah. because I just listened to a podcast about the Supreme Court um, uh, landing on Texas versus something something about uh, Texas While versus Johnson. Yeah. But but all that's to say is it's all about people who are pro or anti flag burning. It's evocative, right? It's yeah. provocative. Yeah. And I support your right to do it. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm like, yeah, let's all go do it because we can. Just because you can do something doesn't make it it, a good idea. You know what it puts me in mind of is um, that trend that happened maybe five years ago when a bunch of people would just walk into like a fucking Burger King with an AR-15 to be like, uh... It's an open carry. You don't have a right to be scared of this giant death machine I have. Do you remember that trend? Yeah. Of oh, it's still happening. At like Starbucks, you see pictures of people like this guy's packed. They used to do it like like a uh-huh. quote unquote protest. But that's of, the point. Like you can so do it, but what are you trying to accomplish? That's, that's what I'm trying, trying to, to draw a line right. to. But there are some things that like we certain like we we not you and I, but yeah. there was like drama Hamid day to yes. be like we're getting to that. Oh, okay. Am but I getting too smart for your commentary? That's exactly I'm right. And the thing is, look, <laughs> if this was a free speech argument, sure. we could have that conversation about right. drawing Muhammad. We could have a lot of different conversations about, like, if someone's trying to stifle free speech and they're going after the censorship of all that, we'd be having a different conversation. That's not the conversation most people are having with this dude in Sweden. No. It's really just... Well, so it's are, in Sweden, so the First Amendment What are you apply. doing? They, right. It's not there, but they do have a right to sure. free expression. In Sweden, there is a right to free expression. And here's the line that politicians are trying to carve out here. So the prime minister of Sweden, uh, Ulf Kristersson, he said last week very bluntly, it's legal but not appropriate. Sure. And the thing is, yeah, you're right. Not exactly a defense of freedom of expression right there, but I get your position. He did not say a word (laughs) wrong. Yeah. His concern is that there are right now for to get into NATO and make sure you have the U.S. and all of the allies backing you mm. in the case of a war, which is Ukraine is trying to get into NATO right now, uh. and they're not in. Uh, Finland, I believe, just got in, finally. But you need a unanimous approval from every member country. And nice. right now, Sweden's not in NATO. Why? Two countries are saying no, Who? Turkey and Hungary. Because they're anti-Muslim? Uh or perceived as anti-Muslim? Because Sweden, it, that's one reason. That's right, Sweden. But Turkey specifically, which has a Muslim population, the fear now is that Turkey is going to use this incident to further hold up Sweden's entry into NATO, wow. basically using one dude's stupid-ass protest to block membership for the entire country. Well, 
and a spokes more poorly to international politics than it does, it does. to this idiot. A U.S. State Department don't official. Don't you think? <laughs> a U.S. State Department official kind of echoed those thoughts. He said, "The burning of religious texts is disrespectful and hurtful, and what might be legal is certainly not necessarily appropriate." Truly. Which, yeah, listen, I get it's that. not illegal to say the N word, but you're also not protected from consequences that right. happen after you make choices like saying the n-word right. here's the interesting thing sweden like i guys said they do have freedom of expression it's not absolute sure. in our parlance you can't shout fire in a crowded theater mm-hmm. um it is possible and this is kind of amusing they could punish this guy we're waiting to find out they could punish this guy for lighting a fire during a heat wave which they're not <laughs> allowed to do and this that could be a technical way Al to Capone get after this Al Capone got guy. arrested yeah. for his tax avoidance. Yes. Um, but Turkey's not avoidance. buying it. Turkey's foreign <laughs> minister. This is a Simpsons joke. I just need everyone to know I know that avoidance is a word, but avoidance is a joke from, from the Simpsons. And that's why I said it. I'm not an idiot. Don't at me. Go ahead. Gotcha. Turkey is not buying any of this, by the way. Their foreign minister this week said it's unacceptable to allow anti-Islam protests in the name of freedom of expression. He said on Twitter, turning a blind eye to such atrocious acts is to be complicit. Which is like, no one's turning a blind eye to it, dude. that doesn't feel like like an honest... uh, I'm curious, and I don't... It truly, like, current international politics are not my strong suit, but is there an additional incentive for Turkey and what was the other country? Uh, Hungary. Hungary to to want Sweden out. I'm, uh, not asking, I'm not actually asking you as if you know. I'm just sort of right. floating that question. I'm sure there are, but this ain't like, helping. Are they using this as a roadblock to avoid something else? Otherwise, it just feels like genuine dishonest, like intellectual dishonesty, right? Like there are probably you have to know that like one person making a bad decision doesn't represent the country, and also like not. Like putting that person on trial immediately does not represent a disrespect to Islam. It it represents the fact that people have right to say things and we have to deal with them after they do. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. So just to be clear here, uh, the courts, by the way, uh, there was an attempt to block this guy from doing his little protests, but the Swedish How? courts, but the Swedish courts said, nope, he's allowed to do it. Free expression. He is allowed to have his protest. How could they have blocked it? Like permits or I think police pe- action? I think people tried to get him. Uh, the Swedish police tried to block him I see. Uh, from doing this. And the courts are like, you can't stop him. He's mm-hmm. allowed to do this. So it's not like people didn't try yeah, sucks, for, man, to answer but, their point. But also every pride parade I've gone to has had a lot of protesters like fucking do with it, yeah. dog. Just to give you a rundown. Here's the consequences of what we've seen this week. Over the past week, Morocco revoked its ambassador to Sweden. Uh, Islamic protesters in Iraq stormed the Swedish embassy there until security forces were called in to stop them. The 57-state Organization of Islamic Cooperation, just a whole bunch of Muslim countries, called for measures to prevent future desecration of the Quran. Uh, The UN Human Rights Council has plans to meet to discuss a plan forward. And then, of course, Vladimir Putin got involved. And he said, burning the Quran is a criminal act. Oh, yeah, And he cares very much about criminal actions and making sure he's never violating any sort of international human rights laws. Doesn't it feel unserious to you? Mm. It feels unserious to me of, like, we're mad at this country because one person who is not even a Swedish national did this thing mm-hmm. and they uh, apparently whoever is loving all this power and shit do not have the ability to be like yeah what he did is wrong but also we have to respect that 
not everybody is going to have restricted speech the way we demand. Right. And it, it feels unserious to me, but maybe maybe I just don't take people's religious views seriously enough. Pope Francis chimed in, and this is where I get annoyed what? by some of this stuff. Oh, everyone, in. this is an international How story. Have I never heard about Nobody's <laughs> asked my opinion. We've had a busy week with the submersible. So oh Pope Francis chimed in, and this is what made me mad, because, again, the right answer here, uh, I wish the Swedish... Uh, politicians went further in their blunt statements. They were trying to keep it tactful Mm. and political. I get that. Pope Francis says, any book that is considered sacred to its authors must be respected out of respect for its believers. And freedom of expression must never be used as an excuse to undermine others. Like, no, you're missing the point. You're missing the point. Like, no, any book does not need to be respected. I don't care if you think it's sacred. That's not the issue here. The issue is not if someone wants to burn a copy of their possession, it's not your book they're burning. Yeah, it's his copy of, all, of the book. You, The Pope should be saying, okay, he has a right to do it. I wish he wouldn't. I don't think we yeah, should go Pope after other people's rights. things. He but yeah, he's doctor. focusing on the, that was a horrible idea, instead of focusing on the expression. You know what I find odd is that I, I feel like book burning 50 years ago or 100 years ago was incredibly... uh, The further back in history you go, book burden was more and more significant. We just had fewer resources, fewer people who could read, fewer people who could, like, repair things, right? So you burn a book in, say, 1890, you're fully taking that book (laughs) off of the universe. There was that... There was 30 copies, and 14 of them get burned. Sucks to suck. In today's world... I feel like when people burn books, it's very much symbolic of I disagree with this uh, point of view, whatever this book when represents. you have a PDF on your computer and you Truly. move it to the trash, you haven't done anything. It, You're fine. And like, fine. If, if people need to express their, their opinions and whatever. Uh, but I think the fact that we... Apparently, the world takes book burning as seriously now as they did 100 years ago. To me, feels a little foolish because it's so much more symbolic than it ever has been before. Yeah. Before, if you burned 500 copies of something, you could erase that from the world. The That's problem, not the case anymore. The problem with this guy's protest is he burned the Quran in order to piss off Muslims. He yeah. wanted to anger them. He waited till Everyone it was a Muslim. Everything to piss right. people off. What are you talking he about? He waited till it was a Muslim holiday, went to a mosque to do it. Like, none of this. Yeah, he's a dick. None Nobody's of this, arguing that. None of this is a legal problem. It's all a strategic problem. What I would like to see is more politicians and more people like the Pope who have a giant platform. That's what they need to condemn. They need to unequivocally defend his freedom of expression. And then if they want to condemn the intent of his protest, have at it. There's no contradiction there. Like if the best thing you could say about free speech, this is my problem with the Swedish politicians. If the best thing you could say is that, well, it's legal. That's not a defense of the core pillar of your democracy. It's essential. Like, Sweden's prime minister basically seemed to imply to me, like, I would criminalize it if I could. Sure. But I can't. Like, no, you're not helping your case. Just, you can easily say, here's why I have a problem with what he did. Mm-hmm. But it's not a legal issue. It's not a free expression do issue. You think, do you think people in power are afraid of gray areas? So the Pope is like, I think if you're I trying can't... to get into NATO right now, today... Today, but, Biden met with Sweden's prime minister. Hmm. Today, that happened. And Biden was like, they need to get into NATO 
now. Yeah. Like, they're trying to make that push right now. And but, so Sweden's prime minister's like, I need to not have any drama, sure. people. But, uh, yeah, so but, I get where he's coming from. But I wish he was more like, in Sweden, we respect freedom of expression. That includes stuff we don't like. Right. And in this case, I don't like what that guy did. You could do that. But I'm referring more to the Pope of yeah. people who are in, in leadership positions seem to me... Uh, very unwilling to acknowledge gray areas. It's much easier if you're a person in authority who doesn't have to deal with the daily nitty-gritty, like the Pope, you know, he doesn't have to worry about grocery shopping or babysitting or any of that shit. It's easy for him to say, this is bad and that is good, but the world is full of shades of gray, and as long as people in leadership are unwilling to trust humans, and maybe we're not trustworthy, but trust our citizens to hold two things in our head at the same time, it's prob- it's tacky to burn a religious book, but it's also not worth compromising global, you know, sanctions. We can hold two things in our head. And I don't know if it is people in power have sort of like trained us to not be able to have nuances. It's, you know, 9-11 happened. It's bad. America's good. Like that thing. Um, I, I don't know if it's them not trusting us to be able to see in shades of gray or if it is a uh, more of a pointed, like, my people are going to think this way. I don't know. But but I feel like that's really dangerous. Like I Because c- you and I can sit here at this table and say, yeah, it's kind of shitty to burn a Quran, especially on a holy day, especially in front of people who, who to whom it means a lot. Or also, more broadly, why are you doing something for the sole purpose of making everyone angry? Trolls that does, are gonna that's troll. what trolls do. That's right. what they do. And we have trolls on both sides. Like, literally, I'm going to talk about the case in, in the 1980s about a guy burning a flag and what the Supreme Court said about it. I'm going to talk about it in the bonus episode. Um, I, I just... We can't, it's okay to say, yeah, that sucked and was annoying, but you're not wrong. Like when Kanye West said George W. Bush doesn't care about black people, it was maybe chaotic good. Yeah, it was weird and uncomfortable, (laughs) but the right thing to say, right? Like, just because, like, things aren't black and white, even if he didn't do it in like, Poor Mike Myers. I think about his poor face all the time. Just a white Canadian, like, um. <laughs> but this was in a Hurricane Katrina thing. It was, if you weren't around Google for it. this, it was very funny. Um, but anyway, it, 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 it's things like that of like, uh, maybe maybe a, hurric- a disaster relief wasn't the platform to criticize the president, but he wasn't wrong. And yeah. W deserved to be president, to be criticized all of the time. Well, we could also be like, hey, dog, that maybe that wasn't, that wasn't whatever. Which I would say, hey, he grabbed the moment, but then the Taylor Swift ha- thing happened, so I think he's just a narcissist who's willing to grab the mic. How did you he get from to. Sweden Koran protesting to, to Taylor, Taylor Swift? Swift. Uh, well done. I'm a professional broadcaster, yeah. my friend. I'm going <laughs> to jump to uh, this story from 538, the, the data analysis oh, yeah. site. Um, it shouldn't be surprising to anybody that who's as old as we are. Uh, if you go back, you mean presi- very young? oh yeah, presidential Relevant. campaigns for the past several decades, like if abortion was used as a wedge issue, a culture mm. war issue, what that meant. If I say, oh, it's an abortion election for years, it was always, oh, white evangelicals are going to vote in order to take away abortion rights. Right. That's what 
everyone means when they say e- Christians are voting yeah. on this Liberals issue. Liberals have been on our heels about about reproductive rights for a long right. time. But here's what's interesting. Last year, the Pew Research Center found that what's... Here's the question. What has a higher percentage? The percentage of religiously unaffiliated Americans who want abortion rights, who support abortion rights, or the percentage of white evangelicals who oppose abortion rights? I would assume white evangelicals are more actively anti-abortion. They, would be my guess. This is from 2022. 74% of white evangelicals wanted abortion to be illegal. Dying right? to know the percentage of abortions that happen per capita in those oh, situations. Yeah, so Dying 70, to know. 74% of white evangelicals oppose abortion rights. Among religiously unaffiliated people, and remember, that's not just atheists and agnostics. This is like all the woo, spirituality, I'm spiritual but not religious crazy people. 84% of them... antagonize those people. I will. 84% of them said they support abortion rights. What was the anti one? 74. Okay. So there's more unaffiliated people us. supporting abortion hey, rights. Good job, team. Right? We did it. And by the way, a few years before that, when Pew did a different survey, but they broke it down by faith labels, mm-hmm. so now you can see what atheists say specifically. What do we say? 87% supported abortion rights. Um, which, all right, it's not. Do you do the not thing 100%, I do? But still. Oh, apparently you do because you just said the same thing. I'm always like, what are those Who are 13%? the thirteen percent? I know. How yeah. can I not do? Which sucks. Eighty-seven percent is a huge margin. Margin, but I'm like, yeah. who are the atheists who are anti-choice? <laughs> but the thing, the reason five thirty-eight brought this up is uh, like when we say seventy-four percent of white evangelicals oppose abortion rights, those seventy-four percent of white evangelicals could pretty much be counted on in elections to vote mm. because they wanted to vote for right-wing politicians and their preferred judges who embrace their quote pro-life agenda, right? right? And they were all single-issue voters, and that issue was abortion. Democrats, like you mentioned, Mm. we've historically been really bad at generating enthusiasm for the courts and judges Mm. and on culture war issues. And I mean, this is secondhand, but uh, I was asking my dad about, uh, my dad who lives in Wisconsin and uh, associates only with other old rich white men, and I was asking, he he used to be a a Republican, now he's a Democrat because he hated Trump, and I said, your friends who still are Republican, what's their reason? And he said, by and large, if it's not racism, it's the pro-life thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they are so obsessed with, quote-unquote, saving babies. It's fucking... Because it's so, a thing you can do to make yourself feel better without doing any good. Go ahead, Without Hammond. doing any work, either. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we owe them nothing. We'll just save the imaginary things yeah. and then give ourselves credit for it. So, 538, uh, two researchers, Daniel Cox, Amelia Thompson-DeVoe, They basically ran the numbers now, now that Roe is overturned, Mm -hmm. a year ago. And here's what they found that was interesting. White evangelicals, uh, they asked, like, of all Americans, uh, what share of American adults say abortion is a critical issue, regardless Mm -hmm. of the position you take on it? How important is this to you? And what they found is that since Roe, the share of religiously unaffiliated Americans who say abortion is a critical issue for them for the first time, it's Has higher what? than the share of white evangelicals who say that's a critical issue. Wait, wait I'm sorry. Could you repeat that? I yes. think I misunderstood you. So basically, like 45-ish percent of religiously, uh, of Americans, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, of religiously unaffiliated people. Unaffiliated. Or, unaffiliated. 45% say, no, abortion is our issue. We're okay. going to vote 
because we're driven by abortion. And presumably that means they're supporting abortion rights. Right. Only like 38% of white evangelicals are like, abortion is my issue. I want to be anti-abortion. Could you give me context? Like, did that change from pre... So in 2011, let's go back to 2011. Perfect. White evangelicals, like 48% said, abortion is my thing. That's my single issue. Mm. That's what I care about. At the time, the unaffiliated people... It was like 18% said abortion is sure. my thing. that's fair. So for the first time now... Because it was not on the chopping block nearly a, as bad. Correct. It was still, but... Correct. So the basically what 538 is saying, um, this is <laughs> from their piece, in a swift reversal, the issue of abortion is now much more complicated on the right than on the left. Evangelicals disproportionately live in places where abortion is now banned or heavily restricted, so it may become less of a political priority for them because they've accomplished their goals in that area. And oh, while I it's see. true white evangelicals strongly oppose abortion, there is not universal support among them for the complete bans that some states have implemented. Like, I'm talking now, not 538. Sure. Like, there are some evangelicals who live in those states that have six-week bans, and they're like, that's messed up. Because a lot of people don't know they're pregnant, or what if there is a Listen, a I've done so condition- many talks uh, about what being six weeks pregnant means. And by the way, six weeks pregnant means your period is two weeks late. Yeah. And so they're like... And don't ever forget that. If Christians are having those concerns amongst themselves, for a lot of them, they're not all in on let's keep opposing abortion rights, even among white evangelicals. But for our <laughs> side... Hmm. There's a lot more people who are like, I need to protect abortion rights, and I'm going to vote because it matters on those issues. Okay, here's my question. Do So my understanding going into the last, the last Supreme Court session is like, all evangelicals were looking to outlaw abortion completely, mm-hmm. right? But now that that's happened, which yeah. obviously dog is more caught nuanced, the car. but the dog caught the car, and are you saying that now evangelicals are like, ooh, is that what we actually wanted to do? Is that what you're saying? They used to be in the point where anti-abortion everything was their driving motivation to get out to vote, to vote for certain people. Okay. That has taken a dive. Because they've gotten what they wanted. Okay. And And in addition to that, some of those evangelicals who may say abortion is still like the top issue I care about, they do see some of these extreme policies and they're like, I don't want to vote for someone who is pushing for complete So do you think the ban. policies have pushed back, or pushed past, excuse me, In what some a cases. lot of people, or a lot of quote-unquote pro-life people wanted? Yeah, there is disagreement okay. among the pro-life crowd about what the, what the line should be. Because realistically, these choices still seem to be made by and large by white men. Oh, yeah. So... Possibly they don't know what six weeks pregnant means. Yeah, which and is finding again, out because I want to be very clear. Stories. Six weeks pregnant means your your period is two weeks late, and don't ever forget it ever, ever, ever. And so Fuck if you're these people, so if you're liberal or you're non-religious anyway, if the SCOTUS ruling to overturn Roe and Republican overreach in state legislatures doesn't motivate you to vote, mm-hmm. like I don't know what will. And, like, if voters in Kansas can defeat a constitutional measure to ban abortion, who knows what the rest of the country can do as we witness extremism. And the thing is, the non-religious side here on the issue of abortion, we have the ethics on our side, and we have the energy on our side, Mm -hmm. um, because all of us, a lot of us, anyway. And the presidency. And the presidency. Like, we care about these issues, and we're motivated, because we know what can happen when Republicans uh, win these seats. 
couple downsides to all this. We, non-religious people, are not a block. We know that. Like, you can't go to church and reach people and tell them how to yeah. vote. We don't have a pastor who tells us how Devo to vote. Cats. So that's not great. We don't like people telling us how to think or mm-hmm. vote, even if we did end up in similar places. Mm. And second, Democratic candidates in general have historically been allergic to non-religious voters. They don't court us. They don't embrace us. They don't brag about how they're going to fight for a secular country. Mm -hmm. Republicans always tell voters, we're conservative Christians, but Democrats never really talk about how religion should not guide our politics, and that they they don't talk about how we're going to build a wall between church and state. We're going to represent you as non-religious voters. So, like, until they pick up on that, it's not going to happen. Yes, you're raising your hand. No, I'm sorry. I just thought of a funny thing about, like, what is uh, what is worse, how Democrats court the black vote and then when push comes to shove, pretty much throw them by the wayside, mm-hmm. or non-religious people, which they don't even bother to acknowledge exist. They're both bad. I would say black people have, I mean, obviously black people have it worse, but, like, I would hate much more if they were, like, and eh, non-religious people here and there and giving us lip service, but right. then never doing anything. But that's yeah. all I can think about it. But like, they rarely give us lip service, too. Yeah, they, we don't even get lip service. Right. <laughs> like, Democrats are just bad. they bring, like, an old black woman up on stage <laughs> to be like, see, she's all of us. Vote right. for me. <laughs> uh, we'll have our first Democratic primary in South Carolina because the black vote's important to us. Truly. Sure. And then it's like, okay, but non-religious oh people also vote for issues next year, March? but technically not even because Biden's the nominee, so it's not going to happen for four years. Anyway, um, oh, now, yeah. here's the thing. The point is, if the non-religious voters who are quickly outpacing, like, raw numbers, we're beating out white evangelicals. There's more of us yeah, yeah, than there yeah. are them. And if we're driven and motivated by the abortion issue, that creates like a pathway a for Democratic. <laughs> well, that creates the block that creates a path for Democratic candidates mm. to not be afraid of saying, yeah, I'm supporting abortion rights. I support people who are all religions, no religion. I don't care. I support separation of church and state. Like if they want to win over apathetic voters, sure. younger voters who don't vote in the same proportions, but so you can only go up with right. younger voters, like don't remain silent. Don't pretend like abortion's divisive. I won't mention it. If I bring up mm-hmm. church state separation, that's a bad thing. Like, no, it's not. It's a winning issue. Yeah. Get on it. Go all in. Don't hold back. Mm-hmm. I hope they do it. They'll never listen to me. Um, it's weird they don't listen to you personally. I, they should. They should all hire me, and I have. It's I'll weird. Write they, their they speeches should ask me because I'm much smarter than you, <laughs> as has been proved on this podcast. Done. Couple of quick ones for you. This, oh I just the headline is more fun than anything okay. else. In Queensland, Australia, schools run by the Anglican Church there are facing an existential crisis because insurance companies don't want to work with them because of all the child sex predators they oh, keep hiring. No! You're fucking lying to the me. The insurance companies Anglican? are like... Oh, no, yep. excuse me. Oh, my God. So just to give you some background wow. on this, in 2017, Australia's Royal Commission looked into the institutional responses to child sex abuse. Like, for example, they found that 7% of Catholic priests in the country were accused of sexually abusing 7%? kids. 7%? Between 1950... More than one out of 20 priests you meet in Australia. Yep. Somebody's been like, that guy Between raped Between 1950 me. and 2010. Fuck me. That was it. The same commission also found similar problems with the Anglican Church. They said, we found 1,115 complaints of child sexual abuse by the church between 1980 and 2015, 
and it involved 22 of the 23 Anglican dioceses in Australia. Do you know anything about the Anglican? Nope, don't even ask. I'm Googling it. (laughs) But basically, one of the recommendations the Royal Commission made is, like, one, you should end the statute of limitations on child sex abuse cases so more lawsuits can be filed by survivors and all that. And because of that, now all these private insurance companies are like, we don't want to work with the church-run entities because you're all going to get sued like crazy. Um, last month, the Guardian revealed that state oh, it's governments... it's the Church of England. There you That's go. what Anglicanism is. So the Guardian revealed that state governments were actually stepping in to cover the gaps for these schools. Wow. Uh, this is from the Guardian. In Queensland alone, the state government has now brokered temporary deals to offer indemnity for child sex abuse claims relating to 18 organizations. Why, why is the government protecting them? Because they do, like home care and youth homelessness services, Mm. which, yeah, churches do a lot of that sort of charitable stuff. That's nice. But also the state has to step in. They're like, we we need you right now because we can't take over for you. So uh, we got to provide you with insurance so you can't, in case you're sued for all the child sex abuse. I feel like I ring this bell a lot, but Hemant works for a public school. I work for a nonprofit, a local nonprofit organization. Can you, how many, how many lawsuits of sexual misconduct against a minor in your place of work, do you think you would get before, I don't know, you got shut the fuck down? Uh, if someone whispered it as a rumor, it gone. It would be gone. Yeah. And here's the thing. The I private, wish the rules were the same. The eh? government could step in for those like charitable religious organizations because mm. there's a reason you need those. But when it comes to private schools, the government isn't stepping in to help them, which means those schools have to find someone to do it and they can't find private insurers to do it. And so now they have to face the full financial consequences of all their sex abuse. This is exactly like how Tom Cruise had to form his own insurance company because he refuses to stop doing his own stunts and nobody will insure him. My friend who... (laughs) works for Yahtzee, the the, uh, behind-the-scenes kind of film organization, says that makes Tom Cruise a fucking nightmare to work with. I'm sure. Can you imagine, like, your biggest star is doing these high-risk stunt shit, and you're just like, gee, I hope he doesn't fucking die, because that's my job for the next eight Of all the movies I've been looking forward to seeing, none of them involve him. Really? Yeah. Didn't... Uh, I have yet to see a Mission Impossible or Top Gun. I, s- or I, I saw the first and third mission Missions Impossible. There's three? There's, how many are there, baby? This is the new one is seven. The new one is number seven. What? Was the last one Ghost Protocol? There were... No. Oh. Ghost Protocol. No idea what all you people are talking oh, about. I don't, don't get it twisted. I haven't seen any of them, but also I Still exist trying to get the over world. why there was a Fast and the Furious 2. I'm behind. We need to talk about, oh my God, that could be a bonus thing as we watch the Fast and Furious movies with Mikey because guess who loves the Fast and Furious movies? His name is Michael Greif and I'm married to him for reasons that are unclear. I got one more. It'll be fast. Too bad. So, hey, we're not going to be back for like three weeks. Oh, do people know that? Hey, we're going to be back in three weeks. Summer break. I can't wait to give my my brain a break. (laughs) I can't wait. So, a brief uh, background. Back, we're going to go back in time. 2015, Pew Research Center, they released a major study about religion in America. Okay. One graph that they published that I still think about to this day, it was about religious switching. Basically, they were saying, they asked all these people, what religion were you raised in? What religion are you now? Right? And like, did you change? I grew up evangelical and atheist And the thing they found is that if you were raised without religion, Mm. like 
for every one person who said, well, I was raised without religion and now I am religious. Sure. For every one person who like left the nuns. Sure. 4.2 people became nuns. Oh, I feel like it was higher than that. Yeah, 4.2 okay. people. Be- so everyone's becoming so a nun. So we're doing but, pretty good. But for every one person who joins the Catholic Church, 6.5 people left it. That tracks. Yeah, that was 2014. Um, oh, boy. Okay. It was and also shit's popped off since yeah. then, vis-a-vis the Catholic Church. <laughs> it was also bad for mainline Protestants who were losing more than they were gaining. Mm. Historically, black Protestants were losing more than they were gaining. Mm. Evangelicals were gaining a few, like 1.2 for every one loss. So they were gaining, but very, that was before Trump. So anyway, that Um, was back in the day. You could tell why that has stuck with me for a while. That was 2014. The study came out, I think, the following year. Okay. So the thing is, uh, sociologist Ryan Burge, he kind of was wondering, what what are we at now? What's going on like a decade later? And basically what he found is not that much different. Um, Mainline Protestants... Uh, the retention rate mm. for mainline Protestants has gone from uh, like 50 years ago, 76% pe- of people who are like mainline Protestants, uh-huh. uh, 76% of them who were raised that way yeah. were still that as they were okay. adults. Now it's 58%. <laughs> black Protestants, 50 years ago, if you were raised as a black Protestant, 87% you stuck with it as you got older. 87? 87. Now it's 71%. Catholics. Holy shit, that's 50, a massive 50 drop 50 years up. ago, if you were raised as a Catholic, 85% of you stayed that way. And as you were older, now it's 67%. And I've met all of the ones who have left the Catholic Church. <laughs> Evangelicals have had a drop from 78 to 73%, but, but it's a smaller drop. So where are these people like all like going? A more geographical lock, don't you think? Like evangelicals, it's, it's the just The culture dense. is more yeah, yeah, yeah. there. No religion? Is the one, if you were raised without religion mm. in the 70s, like only 36% of you were still non-religious by the time you were 46? older. 36. 36? A lot of people really? found religion in the 70s. Like, a lot of people grew up, Two found religion. Thirds. Wow. Now, now 66%. Oh. We practically doubled in terms of retention rate. So the thing is, here's what Burge <laughs> writes. The nuns are a different story entirely. It used to be that two-thirds of those raised nuns identified with the religion as adults. Now, about two-thirds of those raised with no faith group are still nuns into I adulthood. I floored by that yeah. two-thirds number. And I would, add, I would add to that, like, we're now coming to a point where people raised without religion or who have no religion mm-hmm. have had kids... And those kids are now growing up without religion. We're now seeing second generation nuns, atheists, whatever. I mean, and it's not weird anymore. It no, was weird I mean, fifty years ago. Look for at sure. my, my niece and nephew. My folks were were both raised Catholic separately. One's Irish Catholic, one's Italian Catholic. Both raised Catholic. My brother and I were baptized. We're not did not get our communion, and we did the only church when when my dad's mom was in town. Um, and now my brother has kids, and 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 my sister in was actually Catholic, but they're certainly not going to school. Like, yeah, I, I don't. Th- I, I think it's hard to understand the depth, like the break between a parent teaching your religion and a parent not teaching your religion. Oh yeah, it, it's 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 insane because I, that's why I'm so surprised by that two thirds number because. Uh, religion sometimes feels like momentum to me of like you're just doing the thing you're doing so you're going to keep doing it so it kind of and when someone breaks it 
It surprises me. It surprises me. But you know what? I guess I was wrong. Very interesting. And I think that number, the retention rate's only going to get higher for the nuns because we're getting to the point where not raising your kid with religion is becoming normalized. And and that's good. And and that means more Religion is getting more and more tight and galvanized. Yeah. And, and, and like in our neighborhood, there's a, our neck of the woods, there's a billion like really liberal Christian shit. But in many other places in the country, churches are conservative bastions. And yeah. so if you don't agree with them, you're not going to buy into their religion. Why would you? Yeah. So with that in mind, uh, we're, so I'm going to be out of the country oh, for a while. We're done. Uh, so we telegraphing. I will tell you, I have recorded a couple interviews uh, that are new that um, I'm not telling you who they are with, but they are fantastic guests. You're going to enjoy those interviews. I'll, uh, we'll release those over the next two weeks. We will be back at the end of July with yeah. our next episode. That's really weird. So uh, we'll be doing that. And I got to tell you, for the bonus episode, I have the best story for Honestly, you. Honestly, I have like five things to talk about in the bonus episode. What are episode. we talking about? Okay. Um, we, okay, this is our, pre, uh, our pre-recording discussion is talking about what we look for non-YouTube, or excuse me, non-fiction YouTubers. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heaven and I had a, yeah. had a long and... Um, Discussion about that. Um, I'm watching the show Jane the Virgin that I'm genuinely enjoying very much. Um, I listened to two episodes of this day in esoteric political history. One is about southern states rejoining the Union after the Civil War. The other is about flag burning. Um, I want to talk about those. And then we're just going to kind of talk about the future of Twitter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. We'll see you. Uh, we'll We'll... Be back for an episode like this in three weeks. You'll hear a couple awesome interviews over the next two. See you soon. I'll miss you guys.